Welcome to another edition of One in a Million. I am your host, Roland Million. Uh, today we got a few things to talk about. Um, first and foremost, you got to thank Cormac Ryan for joining us last week, uh, talking about his journey to UNC, um, his choices that he made, and what he sees for the program, and how su- how successful he hopes the program is going to be. So thank you for joining us. Uh the the three topics that we're going to discuss today is first we're going to talk about Marcus Smart okay and as a Celtics fan and I understand people are still upset about Marcus Smart going because he spent so many years in the Celtics organization uh he was drafted here a lot of people thought he was going to retire here and it just didn't work out that way because you know it it is a business. He spent nine years, I believe it was, in the NBA, all on the Boston Celtics. Uh, started his career here in 2014, and then it ends in 2023. And a lot of people are bringing up the question on whether or not his number should be retired. I've been seeing it all over the place. Whether or not his number should be retired, and my honest opinion is that no. It shouldn't be retired. He was a great player for the Celtics, a great role player. And I know we we go on the same notion of, I know a lot of people go on the same notion of winning, um, winning a championship, being an all-star uh, amongst those things. And he did have a lot of success when he played here for the Celtics. Uh, one of the biggest things that he has done that not many guards have done we have had some guards that have done it, but not many guards have done it, is win a defensive player of the year. Um, now, you have Alvin Robertson, who won a defensive player of the year as a guard. You have Sidney Moncrief. You have Michael Jordan. You have Gary Payton. Uh, those are the people who won defensive player of the year. He's been an all-defensive player multiple times. But I think... And it's not a knock on Marcus Smart. I think we need to go away from the retiring of the jersey numbers. Because such a storied franchise like the Celtics, we already have so many numbers retired. And it you're not going to go any, any further away. I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to continue to retire numbers because we have so many players that come here that have done so much for the organization without winning championships. You have a Jason Tatum. You have a Jalen Brown, who I think could have his jersey retired. You have the Marcus Smarts. You still have the Rajon Rondos, who haven't gotten their jersey numbers retired. And it's like so many players could have their jersey retired And then we get stuck with, well, what numbers are we going to use? Because the NBA is going to keep on going into existence long after I'm gone. And I think we should get away from it and start doing things like 
Jim Luskatoff did. I think Jim Luskatoff was ahead of its time by not having his jersey retired where he decided to have his name retired. They put his nickname up there. They put Lusky up there, okay? Um, and I think that might be the smartest thing to do because you're, you're going to start to get yourself into trouble and in not having any jersey numbers up there, okay? It, and when we get into that, it's like you don't want to get into three-digit numbers. So I think we should get away from retiring jersey numbers. And if we do get away from retiring jersey numbers and put names up there for contributions and what they did for the, for the organizations, then absolutely I think Marcus Smart's name should go up there. Smart should go up there. Because you need someone like him on your team. Every single championship team needs a person who fills in and does the dirty work. Okay. Now, I know a lot of times I was very critical of Marcus Smart myself because of some of the decisions he made. Um, but at times, you know, when you go back and watch some of these games, some of the decisions were bad, but some of them he was just trying to, you know, push the team to get a little bit more intense. You know, when people are like, oh, he's shooting more than certain people. A lot of those games that he shot more than uh, certain people like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is because they weren't being as aggressive as they should have. And then he put it on himself to take the aggression and take the team to the next level because that's what a leader is supposed to do and that's what a captain is supposed to do. And as I said, although Marcus Smart put in so much time and put in a lot of dedication, put his body on the line, dove for loose balls, was probably one of the better role players that have ever come through the Celtics organization. I do not feel his number should be retired unless we do something along the lines of Jim Luskatoff and put his name up there like Lusky. That's just my opinion. Um, in addition to that, I think we got to give Porzingis a chance. A lot of people have already shut the door on Porzingis because they're like, oh, well, he's he's um, he's always injured and this and that and that. He's not going to help us win a championship. I want to know if you all were saying the same thing when Bill Walton came to the Celtics, when he hadn't played a full season in his whole career, and then somehow, miraculously, I don't know if it was a Celtics bravado or Celtics mystique that came over him, he played probably more games than he had played in his entire career and helped us get a championship. So I'm not going to close the door on Porzingis right now because you don't know what could possibly happen. You don't know how him playing for an organization like a Celtics can change the trajectory of things. Maybe he stays healthy the entire year. That's what I'm hoping for. I would love for him to stay healthy the entire year, but you don't know. But we can't just already shut the door on Porzingis because we're upset about the Marcus Smart trade. Yes, I am upset too, but again, Marcus Smart is not going to age well on the Celtics. He already started to show glimpses, and I said this on an earlier podcast, he already started to show glimpses of a little bit of decline because he throws his body on the floor so much. He's banged up, bruised, and he was a little bit of a step slow <clears throat> this year. But with that being said, let's give Kristaps Porzingis a chance, a little bit of a chance. Now, next topic, James Harden. Uh, 
James Harden just recently called Daryl Morey a liar. He said he's a liar. He would never play for uh, him as on an organization ever again. And it doesn't surprise me that he would go uh, where he knows he's being videotaped to call Daryl Morey out because he wants to get traded. And, you know, time to get a little uncomfortable. That's what he said in his uh, his Instagram. And I think that might have been what he was doing, was trying to get a little bit uncomfortable and calling Daryl Morey out and calling him a liar and saying that he wants doesn't want to play for an organization that has him as the, the head the, making some of the decisions. And it doesn't surprise me because James Harden has pushed his way out of multiple organizations. He gets what he wants all the time. And it's like a spoiled kid who gets what they want all the time and is still not happy. He ended up in Brooklyn, wasn't happy there, got out of there. He he was on OKC, ended up getting more money by going to Houston, where Daryl Morey was. Now, he wasn't happy in Houston, ended up getting out of there. It's It's a constant theme with this guy where if he doesn't get exactly what he wants, he wants out. And even when he gets exactly what he wants, he's out of there. This is one of the other reasons why I don't think that you guys can even, or people who put James Harden in the same sentence with Dwayne Wade, I really don't think they could even be put in the same sentence. Now, obviously, Dwayne Wade had Pat Riley as the executive. He had Pat Riley as a coach. He had Eric Spolstra as a coach. But at the same time, you can't put them in the same sentence as a player because a lot of times people just talk about offense. Now, James Harden, heck of an offensive player. Dwayne Wade was, if not one of the best offensive players to come through the NBA in the past 20 years, maybe the best to come through. You got Kobe, you got LeBron, you got Kevin Durant, you have all these people, but Dwayne Wade could do it on the offensive end, and he was such a great defender, one of the best shot-blocking guards in NBA history as a defender. We tend to put the defense to the side and act like defense doesn't matter. James Harden is a great offensive player. Dwayne Wade is equally as good on the offensive end. Why? Because he doesn't shoot threes. People will say that he's not. That's not his game. That's never been his game. So why do something that's not your game, that's not going to bring you as much success, rather than stick with what is your game and brings you success? And he did it in a plethora of ways. Mid-ranges, attacking the basket. He shot threes when he needed to, but he continually put pressure on you by attacking the rim. And he finished at the rim better than most people that I've ever seen live in person is Dwayne Wade. That's what Dwayne Wade did. Okay. Now, and he didn't do the, didn't do the certain things that James Harden would do, you know, like force and grab people's arms and force himself to the line. He attacked the basket the right way. Now, some of you might like the way that James Harden attacked the basket, but I hated it. I didn't like it. I thought it was disrespectful to the game by always sitting there and trying to grab somebody's arm in order to get them to the line. I just didn't like it. And he did it consistently every day on a consistent basis. And it's just not something that I approved of. 
Um, but to each their own. You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to agree that Dwayne Wade and James Harden are on the same tier offensively. But if you look at the numbers where a lot of people like to look at the numbers, you will see that he put just as much pressure on the defense without shooting threes, without doing all this mumbo jumbo when you're grabbing people's arms. He put just as much pressure on the defense in his prime without doing all the silly things that James Harden did. And now, in addition to that, he would go down and defend some of the better players on the other team and be a good rim protector as a shooting guard, okay? James Harden, you talk about James Harden, he's giving you 30, 35 points, but he's also giving the other team's best player or giving the other team's role player who doesn't score a lot 20 to 25 points or the best player 30 to 35 points. He doesn't play any defense. And for James Harden to sit there at 33 years old, I believe he is now, 33 years old, and try to muscle his way into getting another trade like he holds the cards, you're not in your prime anymore. You're not the same James Harden where you were playing with Dwight Howard. You're not the same James Harden where you were playing with Chris Paul where you took the Golden State Warriors to seven games. You're not that James Harden anymore. You're the James Harden that is even a step slower on defense, is even a step slower on offense, and isn't that consistent as you used to be. After that first game of Philadelphia 76ers versus the Celtics, where he went off, everybody, I had people texting me, calling me, oh, James Harden, y'all in trouble. And you know what I said? I said the same thing that uh, Denzel Washington said in the the Malcolm X movie. I said, I say and I say it again, you've been had, you've been took, you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, because that's what James Harden does. He will show you a little spurt of greatness and then he'll take it away. And that's why I think that he is not even close to being on the same tier as Dwayne Wade. He's just, he's very inconsistent. And these inconsistencies have shown more and more over the year, especially during the playoff times. And yet and still, he wants to try to control the narrative and control where he wants to go right now, even though he's not a top tier player anymore. In my opinion, I'm sorry. I think if you want to hold those cards, you have to be on the level actually of Jason Tatum right now, on the level of a Nikola Jokic, of a level of a Jamal Murray, of a level of a Kevin Durant, of a level of a Devin Booker in order to hold those cards and and get what you want. I think you need to be on their level. Last but not least, uh, the topic, the Hall of Fame. So many Hall of Famers going in this weekend. Pau Gasol, um, uh, I'm still so disappointed and so hurt that, you know, I I, I don't think I'll ever get over the Kobe Bryant and the GG passing. Um, I wanted to see Kobe get into the Hall of Fame. I I know Kobe would have been right there next to Pau, inducting him into the Hall of Fame. And I know he was hurt that he couldn't be there, and it still hurts every day. But it was great to see Powell get in. It was great to see Dirk Nowitzki get in. Dirk Nowitzki is one of my favorite players after he retired. 
going back and watching some of his games and watching the dedication that he had. And it's hard not to like Dirk Nowitzki. Okay. Becky, um, pop, you know, Parker, everybody who got into the hall of fame, they absolutely deserved it. Um, uh, oh my goodness. Why am I blanking on his name? The Purdue coach. I loved him so much. Oh my goodness. I'm blanking on his name. Katie, Gene Katie. Um, yeah. Um, and if there's anybody I missed, you know, sorry, uh, but congratulations to everybody who got in, but I need to go on another rant about the hoop hall. Okay. Now, so here, here we have all the inductees into the hall of fame. And I want to start by saying coaching is, is a difficult task. It is difficult. Okay. Um, for a coach, you have to be able to manage personalities. For a coach, you have to be able to see, hey, what will work with this person but might not work with this person? What can we do? What kind of substitutions? What kind of adjustments can we make? How can I keep a player involved? How can I make sure they're doing the right thing? I mean, what kind of coach would call Quentin Daly and who was a player known for poor habits, not being on time, what kind of coach would call him and say, hey, what time is the bus leaving today? I, I'm just wondering. I, I, I can't figure it out. What kind of coach would call somebody who has a habit of not being on time? What kind of coach would call somebody and say, hey, I need to know what time the bus is so I can get there on time. And then that person tells him, oh, well, you know, the bus is at this time. Oh, great. Thank you. Then they hang up. Why would a coach not know what time the bus is? I know because he's doing something, a little bit of a mind game to make sure that that player knows what time the bus is. A tactical move by a coach. His name is Casey Jones. Casey Jones has yet to go into the Hall of Fame as a coach. He's been in there as a player, but he has yet to go in the Hall of Fame as a coach. And it is very frustrating to me. Casey Jones passed away in 2020, I believe it was. It is now three years later, and we have had three more classes that have joined into the Hall of Fame And yet and still, he is not in the Hall of Fame as a coach. Why a coach who won 75% of his games in Boston, two NBA titles with Boston, who reached four NBA finals in five seasons in Boston, as an assistant coach, won a title, for the Los Angeles Lakers. In 1975, he helped improve the Bullets to a 13-win improvement where they ended up losing to the eventual champions, Golden State. He then won another ring in 1980 and 81 as Bill Fitch's assistant in Boston. And then he won, finally, winning his two as a head coach during the prime years of the Bird era. Now, you got a guy 
who never won a coach of the year, even with having the best record in the NBA in 1986. Now, I know people will say a lot of times it's it's not gone to the best record. It's gone to the improvements, um, how much of an improvement they'd made. And, you know, the Celtics only made a four-game improvement, only made a four-game improvement from the year before. They won 63 that year, and then the next year they won 67, which was a league best. They were 40-1 and one at home. Um, but, hey, we didn't want to give him the coach of the year. But there had been many times before that where he had been deserving of the coach of the year. 14-game, 13-game improvement from 74 to 75, and he didn't win coach of the year in 1975. Now, who did they give it to? They gave it to Phil Johnson. Now, Phil Johnson, who was coaching the Kansas City Omaha Kings at the time, had a 16 or 18 game improvement. Now, with that being said, I would like to implore you to go back to that year. Now, I'm, Phil Johnson was a pretty good coach, but I'd like to implore you to go back to that year. Why? Because the year before that, where they had that improvement, their best player only played 35 games. Tiny Archibald played 35 games, and they only won like 30 or 32 games. I'm not sure of the numbers. But then Tiny Archibald comes back the next year and plays the majority of the year. But yet he wins coach of the year because Tiny Archibald came back, their best player came back, And I'm pretty sure he led the league in scoring at that point in time. I'm not sure if that was the year where Tiny Archibald led the league in scoring. But he comes back and all of a sudden they have a 14-game improvement. That should just tell you right there it's a little ridiculous that Phil Johnson ended up winning the uh, Coach of the Year ranks over Casey Jones. Now, people think it's so easy to coach big personalities, egos, and great players. Oh, if you have a great team, you can easily win. It's not. And Casey Jones did it. And the big thing about him is he is like Tim Duncan when it came to coaching. Okay? He wasn't going to voice his opinion loud so people can, you know, vote for him to be the coach of the year. You know, kind of like, you know... Some people did for Embiid, and Embiid did it himself, right? Advocating for him to be the MVP. Casey Jones wasn't going to do that. And people thought because he didn't voice his opinion, because he wasn't loud, and because he was quiet, that he wasn't competitive. When in actuality, he had the heart of a lion and the competitiveness of anybody you've ever seen, any of the best players you've ever seen. And it's time, Hoop Hall. It's time for you to put Casey Jones in the Hall of Fame for coaching. He has never had a losing season in the NBA. He made the right adjustments on multiple occasions during games, during finals, changing, making adjustments, putting Dennis Johnson on Magic Johnson in the 1984 finals. He made the right substitutions at the right time oftentimes putting in Quinn Buckner just when they needed a little bit of a spark of energy. Scott Wedman, when they needed a little bit of shooting. 
and he was able to manage egos, and he led his teams to victory. Yes, he had great players play for him, but what great coach doesn't? I say it again, I'll continue to say it until my voice is heard. It's time. It's time, Hoop Hall. It's time, Jerry Colangelo. It's time, anybody who is involved with the Hall of Fame inductions. It's time. You give Bryna, you give Casey Jones III, you give the Jones family the honor they deserve and get their father in the Hall of Fame for coaching. So many times, all these years, Casey Jones has always went under the radar when it has come to coaching, when it has come to his ability to manage egos, when it comes to his ability to win. He is continuously overlooked. Let's stop the trend of overlooking Casey Jones and put him in the Hall of Fame for coaching. This has been another edition of One in a Million I am your host, Roland Million, and I I urge, I urge the Hall of Fame. I continue to urge, and I will always urge until he's in there. He deserves to be in there. It's his rightful place. He's in there as a player, but he needs to be in there as a coach. Thank you for joining. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week, and we will see you next week. Take care.